Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously. Shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. It isn't about knowing everything. It's about coming to know ourselves. That's Nikki Spoh's motto. And today, she's joining us to share some of the lessons she's learned by being vulnerable and opening up about her struggles, her wins, and her motherhood journey. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy. And I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Hello, Pamela. Hi, Karen. You're looking... What? I'm going to make a comment about Pamela's outfit today. Okay, no, I walked into the studio because I, I had to get dressed really, really quick because I have to rush to work after recording this. And I walk in and then I, you know, when like, you look at yourself and you're like, what, what am I wearing? This is so like, I'm so confused by the entire outfit, but whatever, it's okay. I'll I think it's great. I think the only thing that throws me off is that there's like a satiny vibe to it, but that's just me because I'm like, I don't do anything with shine, but... Because I wore this once. I remember I when, I, when I actually wore it to a baby shower uh -huh. and I thought it was so cute. And it was wild. Obviously, you look wonderful. I think that anyway, baby from the baby shower was like three and a half, and I've never worn it again. But I think every time I put it on, the same thing happens. So then, I don't love so it. then you have I'm to done. get rid of it. So you have to get rid of it. Okay. All right. So let's jump into our motherish moment. Do you have one? No, but I know you have one. I'm ready to go. What the hell is up with four? Age four. I've had a really, you know, I was like bracing myself for like, oh, terrible twos, and da, 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 whatever. And I was like, wow, she was wonderful. And then she turned three, and I'm pretty sure this is on record in the episodes, but I was like, what? Three was crazy, da da da. And then it was like crazy for a minute, and then it wasn't. But right now, I'm I'm going through it with four because she is very. Um, obviously, she has like a lot of opinions. She's got it like she knows what she wants. She's extremely verbal. But like now there's eye rolling and there. And so I'm like, no, no. Yes. Express yourself. La di da. Whatever. But like also no, you know, and like, it's like it's a little like, attitude, like a little. It's a lot. And it's like anytime anything ends, 
it's a battle, right? So like, for example, we're at a friend's house. Okay, it's time to go to the friend's house because we we don't want to overstay at a friend's house. That's weird. So I'm like, okay, now's a good time for us to go, whatever. I don't want to go. Like just everything. And I'm like, I gave you a warning. I did the alarm, the 10 minute warning, the five minute warning, all the stuff that they're constantly like, this is what you should do. And then your child will know because you give them a choice. No, like we leave now or we leave now, like whatever. And it's just so hard. So I'm like just really happy that she's back in school now because I feel like maybe that's what she was missing. She was missing some of that structure. And it was just this like loose ended kind of like never ending hangout with mom time. So whatever, I just wanted to vent. And there's a lot of people that I know that have four year olds right now that are like, oh man, me too. So I don't think it's just me. I think there's something in the force, but that's okay. all. I just want to put it out there. It's funny, I feel like I tend to forget a lot of like the tough moments because I go back I'm like oh four is so easy he was so easy oh my god Pamela, no. so, and then I'm like I might just like have amnesia like I don't know I just feel but he has his moments now but my motherish moment is actually uh, a really sweet one so for a very very long time my son Ford who is three a little almost three and a half was very attached to me like when I was around like he's very independent like if I'm not there he goes with whoever he like loves his teacher loves his nanny loves whatever everyone who's like he's just on his own, he's, he's great. When I show up in the picture, he's very needy. Like he wants me to do everything. He wants me to like walk into the back. He just wants me to do everything and everything for him. So it's draining. And then my mom, who was obsessed with him, like that's his only, her only grandson, like really struggled like the first years, like just wanted to do more and wanted to be like, but every time I was there, he would like reject her and like just not be. When I was like completely different, like he's going through a major, like Abu stage and oh, it's good. so sweet because she's so happy great um, yes Go. great be happy so, together um, goodbye like when she spends the night with us she'll be like oh, it's Abu here like she, she like you know and he'll run downstairs and come see her so it's, it's really sweet to see him really like love her I mean she's always loved her but I'm saying like really yeah, yeah. ask for her and want to do stuff with her and it's just like because I know it's like giving her so much life right now and joy that it just it's really really sweet so like their bond has like really taken like a like a turn to for the better and it's it's been great to witness it good 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 i know and it's also helpful for me right yeah to be like, oh you want abu yeah with apple you know like i picked him up from school yesterday was just, and he'd be like oh where's abu and i was like oh she you know she's at her house it's just so, me now it's just me like, <laughs> like <laughs> but it's sweet you know because then it's it gets me excited to like when we'll go see her Good. 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 So we don't have Nikki share her motherish moment. Hey, you guys. I love listening to this because I feel a lot less alone in this whole process of mothering and everything. As you guys know, I have three kids. I have a 10 month old, a three year old and a five year old. And my three year old just like popped in while while I was listening to you guys talk. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. that could have been the low that I presented if like stuff were to hit the fan. Like if he was like, oh, you're not actually working. And actually that went really well. I have like I have some good highs. It's public info that my oldest son went through Burkitt lymphoma last year and he went through chemotherapy and then, you know, he's all clear. But like with that came a bunch of, you know, just other experiences like taking extra time to do potty training, you know, because that took a backseat to a lot of things and just like kind of reintegrating him into school and like making new friends and being open to new environments. And I had to say the first day of school yesterday for him, starting kindergarten at a new oh big school, yeah. we like knocked it out of the ballpark. And I say we, because I want other parents to know that like I see them and I'm like, this is a we thing. Like it's yeah. not just like a, your mm -hmm. kid going off into the world and doing it because like you have to set them up for that success. 
So I definitely think parents should take ownership in their children's amazing experiences and not to beat themselves up over like the ones that go haywire and aren't so awesome at the same time. So my high of the week was a great first day of school for my shy but loving and amazing son and really keeping all my kids alive. <laughs> I mean, that's always a win, right? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, my kids all had COVID last week. Ooh. So that was a low, right? The three of them had COVID, the baby also, and oh. I didn't get it. And, but my nanny got it and she was, so she was out and I was with them full time. And I'm like, I just, I can't. It's I think I willed myself mm -hmm. to not get COVID. So that was a low, but it was like ended on high and we got it before school started. Yeah. So. We're winning. You, that's, We're winning a life right now. As far as I'm concerned, that's a high. Like, that's good. Me too. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the being sick part doesn't, is definitely not awesome. And caring for three sick babies it's when you rough. can't, like, do any play dates, right? And, like, you got to keep them separate from everybody else. It was definitely crazy in the house, but we made the best of it. And it was, like, actually good bonding time. And I got them to not sleep in my bed. I was like, you guys, you guys can't sleep with me because <laughs> okay. you have cooties. <laughs> So now we're like on a roll of like not sleeping in mommy's bed. So let me introduce Nikki. As um, I was mentioned, she is the host, creator of this very successful podcast called, called The Know with Nikki Spo. And uh, I mean, I just wanted to just, you know, dig in and, and kind of like, I love when people have had such great conversations with other people and they, they have all these lessons and all these like great knowledge that was like, you know, share with them, but they want to share it with the world, you know? And I think this is a good opportunity to kind of share like what has been like one of those conversations that kind of like stuck with you and like, you know, just drop some knowledge that you think like everybody else should hear about. Well, I think, well, thank you so much for the introduction. I think all the conversations are so valuable. Obviously it's my, it's my show. I think that, right? <laughs> of course I do, but like, <laughs> but I really do. Like I have conversations that I want to be having because I feel like I benefit from them. And I feel like my target audience is like me in, or a, like a younger version of me, right? Who really needed this information. And so I have conversations about all types of things. So like I'm a sober woman. I identify as a sober person. I have conversations about addiction and recovery of losing a parent, of being a parent of, you know, a, a child who is sick or going through something really serious. Education. I'm a former teacher in the public school system. So I'm really, really passionate about that. You know, childhood sexual abuse, which is a really difficult topic to address, especially for parents. But these conversations are really important because it helps us, you know, like for those who are like actually tuning into those episodes and are like having the courage to like face it, it really puts the listener in a position to hear the hard things. And especially for parents, like maybe give them some insight about what to look for, what to listen for, what to be just aware of, you know, and like how to have co hard conversations with our children as they continue to grow. I think those have been some of the most inspiring ones for me because it's a reminder to check in with my kids and to face it and face whatever instead of just like, you know, putting my head in the sand and kind of like being like, I'm not going to deal with it. Like, I don't want to talk about sex with my kids when they get old enough, when because it's uncomfortable for me. No, I need to like tackle those things, you know, and have the conversations with my children as they're little. Like, what are we talking about in elementary school as they get into elementary school, as they get older, you know, about how to be a human being, right? And hopefully be a good one. It's wild um, that there's so many, so many topics, right? Especially when within parenting, but that one specifically, I discovered recently that causes a little bit, I don't want to say like a divide, but like people, 
parents, mothers specifically have very specific kind of like outlooks on it. Like they kind of like, like you come equipped with like, this is my perspective on it. And then when you run into someone who has a slightly different perspective, it's kind of like, what? You know, I, I've never been through any sexual abuse, luckily, uh, but I feel very strongly about it because there are people in my extended family that have been through that. And so I sometimes, you know, battle with like being extremely overprotective with my daughter but I'm also like this came up in a I was in the car with some of the mom's mom friend group and one of them was like oh my god I can't wait till like all of our kids have like sleepovers and da 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 and I was like in my head I was like no Victoria like and I was like let me just hit it now like Victoria's not gonna do any sleepovers and so they were like but we're friends and we know each other and I was like yeah and that's amazing and I love you guys and we have a wonderful friendship and we can hang out like till whatever time you guys want but then she's gonna come and sleep in my house and it's just it's an opinion I have and it's a and it's based on things that I feel strongly about then it brought up this whole conversation separately with the mom groups not in front of the kids whatever with my friends and they were like but you know us I'm like you never know anyone I don't believe that you do but it's hard conversations with my child like I'm like when I give her a bath or you know if Juan's giving her a bath it's different but I talk to her about you know like this is only you only me like that's it you know I try to educate her at a level that is appropriate but I do feel that you open that can of worms and like you said they're hard conversations for a lot of people but it's so important so, so a lot of those things that you talk about in your podcast, I think, are... I also think it's important when people put their own personal perspective because they have their own personal journeys, but a lot of people are not confident enough to be vulnerable, right? Like, I think one of the things that I admire the most about your podcast and the content that you're creating is that you're very vulnerable, you're very open, you're very transparent in terms of, like, was there a little hesitation at the beginning as to what can I share, what I shouldn't share, or... or was it maybe advice for you that it was healthier for you to be open and vent about certain things? Well, thank you so much because it didn't take a lot of courage to get to that space, I think. At first, when I was starting the, the platform, I was like, I don't know that I should be sharing my business or like putting it out there. And like, I do think that there's this thing of like, I don't like to overshare in the sense that like, I need people to feel sorry for me or feel like, oh no, poor Nikki or whatever. That's not what it is. I just really believe in the power of community and the power of like shared experience having an impact on people. And I think that's what it is. And I think that like, it's really easy to look at my life from the outside and you can go to my Instagram and be like, oh wow, she has all this, this life. Oh, my curated social media looks like, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And think, oh no, this woman hasn't been through anything difficult in her life. And it's not a competition of like, who has been through the most shit? Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on the show. Who's been through the most stuff? Like, who's been through the most trauma? It's not a trauma competition, but I'm saying, like, I've been through some stuff that I want to talk about, and I think that, like, it's relevant to people. And, like, yeah. being able to put a face to an experience that you might be able to identify with, I think is, like, just hugely, hugely powerful. So I do think it's important, an important part of my platform specifically and something that I take really, let me see, I don't take it for granted and I, I think it's a responsibility of sorts to be intentional about how I share, the way I share and what I share so that it can have a meaningful impact on my audience and hopefully like help one person. For example, for me, what spoke a lot was the relationship that sometimes we have with our own mothers and then eventually how that could shape us and create fears about even before we become mothers, like, am I going to be this yeah. type of mother? Am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. Am I going to make the same mistakes? Um, 
So either, and I, I always feel like people either want to, you know, exactly imitate the relationship they have with their own mother, or they kind of want to like make an evolution and kind of like make some major changes into what they were brought up with. So I thought that was a very important topic for you, you know, um, to discuss and open up about. It definitely was. That one was really hard. My mom passed away last year and that was a very complex relationship. I had been estranged from her for many years because it was a very toxic environment for me to participate in. And like, I always come back to this idea, like, and this is years worth of therapy that I had done, right? Is that like, when I was a child, I didn't have a choice. And as an adult, I have a choice. And like, not a lot of people understand that, but as an adult, like we, as we grow, we heal and we evolve and we live in the real world. Like we carry the parts of us and the experiences we had into our adulthood, right? And that shapes our personality in so many ways. And it's really easy to live in a fight or flight mode as an adult if you've experienced trauma. And that's kind of like where I was living and I couldn't get past it if I continued to have that toxic relationship like existing in my life. So I had to really pull myself back and go through my own healing journey through that. But there's an author, Bethany Webster, who wrote a book called The Mother Wound. And it was it was really life-changing for me. And for me, I didn't want to be anything like my mom. And I was becoming her, especially with my drinking. And, you know, I identify as an alcoholic and I was becoming the worst parts of her that I didn't like, I was becoming those things, you know? And, and that's not to say that my mom was a fully bad person either. Like my mom, I don't think anybody is fully anything. I think that people are multifaceted and there's ebbs and flows of life and like who you are at one part of your life versus who you are at a different part of your life. I don't think that my mom was fully bad. I think my mom was a person who had a lot of bad things happen to her and she did not have adequate resources or interest in like getting the help that she needed. And it doesn't excuse a lot of the things that happened, but as a grown person who's done a lot of the work myself, I empathize with her today, you know, and she's not no longer with me, but I empathize with her experiences. And fortunately, I do have the resources and the knowledge and the education and like the, the self-awareness to like go get help when I've needed help. When you buy a new house, you might say, shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene spicy pepper sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. I was talking recently with my husband about generational trauma. There's like all these things that they're like, oh, why are millennial parents so tired? And it's because we're breaking so much generational trauma with our with, while we educate our children. And there's an anecdote recently. My my daughter 
slept over at my parents' house. And she doesn't do that often. It's like very much on a like, we needed this today because, you know, my husband was out of town, whatever. And, you know, my mom, I could describe her as someone who has similar to you in the sense of had like a very complicated dynamic with her mom, was estranged for a while and then came back, but with lots of boundaries that, you know, to protect herself. And so when she became a mom or, or she found out she was pregnant with me, she was terrified um, because she was like, this is too much. I know what this is and I don't want to, you know, mess it up and, and everything. So she's a wonderful mother. And I, I think she has done so much work to kind of improve. My dad is a, is a really loving Latin man with, you know, doesn't communicate a lot of feelings. Like he's like textbook, like, you know, of his generation. And he tries to evolve with like the new things, but it's a challenge for him, right? So when Victoria slept over their house, it was because we were at a gay wedding. And that morning I had kind of had like a refresh conversation with Victoria because she was like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, Gabriel is getting married. And she goes, he's marrying a man right? And I'm like, yes. And that's amazing because you can marry whoever you want and love is the only thing that matters, blah, blah, blah. So that night when Victoria was at my parents' house, my mom is like showing her my Instagram stories and she's like, look, there's Victoria and that's the wedding and da, da, da. And my dad was like, hmm, well, um, don't you think that that, you know, the, the, the normal thing, whatever. And he started using terms that are not the way that we are educating her. And my mom was like, no, <laughs> we need to respect what Karen and her husband are doing with their child. And that's a different generation. And we're breaking things so that her generation, Victoria's generation, can be liberated of so many things that have caused so much pain and trauma for, for people in history, you know. So it's exhausting to do a lot of these things. But I think very valid that us, this kind of like wave of... And I think every, every family they do what they can, right, sometimes in over the years. But I think this generation specifically is very interesting because we are dealt with a very particular kind of hand of cards that is that is quite challenging, I think. Absolutely. And I actually think it's pretty full circle about what we were talking about earlier when it comes down to like you not letting Victoria have sleepovers, right? And I think a lot of it comes down to the relationship that we have with our children and the trauma that we are doing, the trauma recovery that work that we're doing within ourselves to pass new information onto them and new experiences and ways to deal with emotions and everything. And like, ultimately what it comes down to is like, we're not gonna be able to control what anybody else does around our kids. We can't like we hope that like the people who love us and are in our lives, like grandparents and other relatives, you know, maybe close friends, that they are doing things in the way that we would want them to be done. Right. But the reality is that we can't control anything else that happens outside of my relationship with my children. Yeah. Right? I can't control what happens at school. I can't control what grandpa says or, you know, doesn't say or et cetera, or what happens at another home. But I can do my best to try to educate my children for example when it comes to sexual abuse about their body parts right not using pet names using the name of the body part you know educating my children about what they might be presented with and options for how to deal with these things you know asking children because they're so much smarter than we give them credit for to reflect on do you think love is love what do you think about love what does love feel like for you do you want everybody to have that mm-hmm you know, offering them opportunities to reflect so that when they step outside of our homes, they are so rooted 
and who they are that they're not as easily shaken. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not that like other people do these things on purpose. I mean, people do things because they just do them. Like this is what they know to do. And it's not even intentional or malicious. Yeah. Yeah, agree. It's interesting you mentioned the thing about educating our children when it comes to like, you know, the difficult issues. So I work with an organization called Amigos for Kids. They it confirmed that the best way to prevent is the organization that focuses on preventing child abuse. To prevent it is, you know, educating the parents. A lot of these families either don't have the resources, don't have the education. Obviously, no one wants their child to get hurt. So what we did is they realized that if you educated the parents or gave them the resources, the risk of their child being a victim of child abuse dramatically decreased right so now they do these workshops and they educate the parents and because you never think you always feel like because these children it's a lot for them to take that information but Mm -hmm. if you have parents who are conscious of what's going on who are more aware of certain things who are like speaking to them and giving them the terms they need to know and and all that stuff and obviously you educate the children but mainly they found that the root problem was parents by no ill intention either were too busy working more than one job or you know were like leaving the care of the children to other people because of need so it's interesting how like there's a lot of stuff that you know really really falls on us and like what we're providing to our children well totally we can't educate our children if we're not educated about it ourselves for sure i also wanted to kind of like discuss a little bit of like you talk a lot about not losing yourself after motherhood you know and i i wanted to know like if each postpartum experience was different what did you learn from each of them and i know everyone says me we only have one you know karen has one i have one you know they'll say get better the second time around it's completely different like what what did you learn in the journey and like what does it mean to have three right now honey i have been losing myself and rediscovering myself my whole life man it's been like the biggest my it's been my life's work (laughs) i'll tell you that like honestly seriously i've lost myself so many times and it wasn't just before i had kids it was like finding myself in different relationships throughout my life that I was like not being true to myself and um you know like or or making myself less than in different scenarios I don't know not any one specific but in so many different scenarios you could take my experiences being a professional dancer and like the box that I was trying to fit in you know to 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 do that with my life and um I think it's been a constant effort of self-discovery and not losing my essence right and I've run up again, I've hit a bunch of walls when I'm like, oh no, like this doesn't feel right for me. Like, I don't feel like I can, I'm being true to myself. Mayday, short circuit, like <laughs> crumble, right? And, and like all of these moments that I've crumbled and rebuilt, but specifically after I had my first child was like the most difficult. It was like the biggest shock. I was not ready. I was not ready emotionally. I don't think that my environment was one that was, I felt, I don't think my environment felt safe to me in that like I had a baby nurse, which I was really grateful to have a baby nurse, right? Like I should feel so lucky and so privileged to have a baby nurse and be able to afford this type of care because they are not cheap. But I remember feeling very judged by this this person. I felt like she was very militant with me as a mother. And I think it like greatly impacted like my experience being the new mom the first time around, you know? And so a lot of that, I got pregnant after I had my first son, I got pregnant just after his first birthday. So I gave birth to my second son 20 months after I had my first son. And I was like, again, like terrified, like PTSD from the first time around. Um, And it was hard, but it wasn't as hard because I knew what to expect. I definitely knew what to expect. And I also curated a team with a lot more intention. Like I set boundaries right from the beginning. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, you don't get to have a say in this, but you get to have a say in that. And I'm not talking about like with my partner, I'm talking about like with people that were, helping me with the kids, right? Like this is how this is gonna go. 
And then COVID happened, you know, and so that was a whole different experience with child rearing, but it was also when I got sober. So I learned so much in that time. And I was only four months postpartum when I decided to get sober. Mm. So I would say that I was like definitely spiraling in a way, like after my second born, because I was really, really leaning into my alcohol consumption as a way to cope. And I was a lot happier when I found sobriety and I continued to get happier and happier. And that's not to say that I'm perfect by any means or by any stretch of the imagination. I am not fully healed. That's something I just talking about recently on my show is that I am not fully healed. So like I am, I don't think anybody ever is. I think it's an, a life's work. I think it's an ongoing process and I reserve the right to be wrong still. You know, I make mistakes, I'm gonna mess up because I'm still a work in progress. So by the time my third child came along, a daughter, I I boundaried up. I knew that I had my secret weapon personally of sobriety in my pocket, you know, my relationship with God, which I found mm -hmm. through my sobriety. And um, it's been the best postpartum experience yet. That's amazing. I don't know if it's because it's number three or like, I, oh, it, it, it has to be like a combination of all of it, just life experience, motherhood experience, you know, becoming the more of the woman that I envision myself being, like being more true to myself more and more and more and like staying rooted and staying grounded and staying authentic and, you know, not tolerating things that I don't accept in my life, you know, and I try to do that with love and grace, you know, and I don't always get it right because sometimes I want to bite people's head off. So obviously your first two were boys and when you found out you were having a girl, how did that feel given that you know, I think you're a, a force as a woman. You lean into this heavily and you support many, like you uplift women in a lot of your conversations and stuff. And so raising a girl, I, I think raising boys is equally important because, you know, we live and we coexist. But I'm wondering like how, what did you feel when you found out, like what were your thoughts when you found out that you I were so a girl? <laughs> I was so happy, you know, when I found out I was first pregnant with my firstborn, I, I was terrified to have a girl. I was like, don't let it be a girl. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. With everything that I've been through, I almost, it was like meant to be like the universe gave me two boys because I needed to know. I needed to like have a soft intro to motherhood, even though I don't think it was a soft intro. I thought it was really, really rocky. <laughs> yeah. Before having a girl, you know, and I feel like I'm now as a human being, as a woman, I am in a place to be like, I can raise a young woman yeah mm -hmm. like I can do this I feel confident I feel competent I feel empowered to do this where I don't know that I would have been in that space five years ago mm. it's crazy how time I was is so happy. happy I was excited I was like I got this I was like this yeah. is, it was I was like God knows that I'm ready yeah like, I was like he, I feel he, like she whatever even knows <laughs> that I was ready for this. I feel like raising girls push us in different ways this week I had an experience you know for me one of the important things with Victoria is like I don't ever want to I work hard on, on not trying to speak poorly about myself. Like my internal narrative yeah. has always been like not great. And over the years I've like gotten stronger and stuff with that. But with her, it's different because like with a lot of other people, you can hide it. You can put it away. You can, you know, like you said, like when you're trying to like fit yourself into the box or whatever that that you think. The other day we were having a dance party and I was introducing her to only the music, not the music videos of Britney Spears and Destiny's Child. And I was like, this is so fun. And we're having a like, you know, just dancing, whatever at home. And she goes, I was wearing like a like a big t-shirt and like shorts, like biker shorts, whatever. And she goes, mommy, but you have to wear something different. She's like, I want you to wear something that's like here so I can like see like, and you can like look cool. And I was like- Like a crop top. Uh, yeah. And I was like, 
oh, like I don't do that. But like, I'm like, this is a this is a really important moment. I need to like act like what you say you do, like what you say. Now it's time to prove it. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, so I like grabbed the shirt and I, I did this like tie thing that I don't think I've done since like middle school where you like tuck it under your bra and like you pull it through the middle or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And I felt so uncomfortable, but I was like, okay. She's like, now we dance. And she goes, wow, mommy, you look beautiful. And I was like, it was rough because you, you want to show them, you know, like, Anyway, that's why I asked about raising a girl because as she gets older, I believe girls challenge you in ways that, that boys challenge you in a different way, but we're the same, right? And so they will, the stuff that as women, we try to like be discreet about or hide or whatever. When you have the responsibility of raising a future woman, you can't hide it as well especially if you want them to be better and feel better. So anyway, that was the point of my question because I just, I'm living that now as she gets older and I have to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And the walking yeah. the walk is so much harder than talking the talk, you know? I just want to, I'm sending you so much love because I could take so much courage to like embody all of it. Thank you. And you're doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, I want my daughter to, to see me in an environment where I'm cherished and loved, you know, mm -hmm. so that she will be cherished love mm -hmm. and so I'm creating that reality in my life mm -hmm. so that she can witness it and she knows how she should be treated and cared for and you know it's so much easier said than done right I feel like a lot of us technically in theory we want you know we want our kids to see us happy and to like see us like feel good about ourselves and feel like but it, it it's sometimes it is challenging I think there's, there's a part of us that like are not um I don't even want to say selfish right but we're just so used to kind of like doing this on our own and like forget how impactful it could be mm. for our children you know so i really do think and i just wanted to kind of take a moment to say that it's not as easy as it sounds right you know obviously we don't want our kids to like pick up on negative stuff or be like you know or see us sad or see us in, in not in a good season but it does take a lot of work to kind of consider them you know and we talked about this in an episode where we're like we're so careful right like you tend to be when you're carrying your child when you're pregnant with your child you're so, I don't want to eat this. I can't do that. Oh, I can't use that product. But like, we should treat ourselves the same way when we birth them, right? Mm -hmm. We should just love ourselves and be so careful. And so when they tell you like, oh, don't cry when you're pregnant. That's like the baby feels it or don't whatever. Well, they feel it too when they're not in your yeah. womb, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, we need to keep that mentality of being like so protective of ourselves and what we expose ourselves to through their lifetime. I also cry in front of my kids. Same. I like let them see me cry and I mm -hmm. just tell them that it's okay to cry. Yeah. Especially my boys because I want them to know that it's okay to have real big feelings. And I say, you know, everybody gets sad. This analogy that I have is like, I am like the blue sky that sometimes has gray clouds and the mm -hmm. clouds pass and sometimes they're white clouds and sometimes they're wispy clouds. But you know, like these feelings come and go and it's okay to cry and it's okay to feel your feelings. The big thing is that we move forward and we work through them and then we find a happy day again. When Forrest sees me cry, he still asks, mommy, are you sad? Like he knows I'm sad because he knows yeah. the tears, like he's associated already with like sad. But I kind of like that he asks because it opens up to a conversation. I'm like, yes, yes mommy absolutely. is sad. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. sad, but it's okay. I'm going to be better. 
<laughs> there's also there's also a with so with Victoria something that has come up a lot is like <clears throat> crying when you're happy because we are I guess in my household we are also like happy criers and so there was an amazing moment for me as her mother in her life where it's like silly but it's not so when Argentina won the World Cup Juan my husband literally was on the floor crying like of joy of joy so she like hugged him on the floor tell me crying again she hugged him on the floor and she started crying too and she goes we're crying why are we crying and he goes we're crying because of joy he's like you can cry w from joy and I was like good job dad it's <laughs> like good. so now she like she has this like full spectrum of like feelings and the things that come with it and tears and she's ways to express it she she's big yeah, bigger yeah. feelings she's like, she <laughs> cried during the ninja turtles movie hello <laughs> like she cried when the when the dad rat was like <clears throat> alone but now she wants to go back so she can relive it but it was amazing to show like that what you said about like you know there's this whole i think especially in our generation like women like we you know we come out to the workforce it's like we can do it all we this that da, da, da. and it's like actually no man like sometimes we're really tired and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes like it's okay to not do everything and not be all the things all the time and so like I think that's going to what we were talking about earlier it's like this is why our parenting journey is so exhausting because we're doing all the things with them we're like showing them deep-rooted stuff going back to raising girls and raising boys when I was looking into schools for four like there was one school I, I considered for second and it was like, well, there's only one class. So you're stuck with that class, you know, for eight years or five years or whatever it is. And I remember the feedback was, well, if you have a boy, then that's not a problem because boys just figure it out. They play together. It's fine, blah, blah, blah. Like, but girls, everyone who's had a girl who had that, you know, it's challenging because they tend to like create cliques at an earlier age. They tend to like be more conflicting and like little groups and like, more isolating. And it's tougher for little girls because they, they're emotionally more mature than boys in, that, in terms of like socializing and creating groups and all that stuff. But what I was going to say is I think it's also important to kind of remind them that boys and girls, kind of like not that the same, but like to be inclusive. You know what I mean? To kind of be like... I think boys experience exclusion also. I've noticed that. Like in having two boys, you know, I've I've noticed exclusion and like we talk about what it feels like to feel excluded and, and how we don't want to do that to other people. You know, I, I literally just had a conversation with my son on the way to school. I said, you know, if you're feeling lonely and sad, what can you do? And he's like, oh, I can take a deep breath. And I was like, you know, yep, you can. And, and I said, what else? And he said, I can go be a friend to someone else. And I was like, that's right. You know, like if you feel lonely and sad or scared, you can go try this is what I try to do in my life. I don't do it perfect, but I try to do it. It's like when I feel sad, you know, I try to go be of service to somebody else and help somebody else. And it takes me out of myself and into being a helping hand to someone else. And I think we can teach that to our children, boys and girls equally. They experience life and they replicate what they see. Mm -hmm. And it's harder as they get older, you know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems, right? Yeah. Like, but ultimately, again, I think it comes back to being giving them the opportunity to become so rooted in, the, in who they are as a spirit, as a person, that they become less shakable outside of the homes that we're creating for them. We're laying the foundation. Nikki, this was great. Hey, I thought it was great too. I, you know, I'm so grateful. I'm really, really so grateful. I, I wanted to close it off really quick with, um, I know you have a lot of women and I think we talked about this, like sometimes for women, it's really hard to create new friendships, you know, when you're in adulthood, like these new friends yeah. and these new circles and kind of finding a good support team. Like what has been key for you? What has worked for you when it comes to building a community and building like a sisterhood of, of other women? 
Um, honesty for me has become like a, a pillar in, in my life. And I used to be like team no new friends. Like I used to be like super no new friends. I was like, I don't want anybody new in my life. I got enough friends. I was born and raised here in Miami. I don't need any new friends. I got my friends from childhood and <laughs> yeah. whatever. Now I'm like, I want, I want to befriend everybody. And that's not to say that I want everybody to be like my closest friend, like in my life where I tell all my deepest, darkest secrets to. But I want to be the a person who you were like, she cheers me on. She makes me feel good. I like being around her energy. And I think like just being honest and positive, you know, like choosing to see the good in people. And that's hard because like I get pissed off all the time and I'm like, what happened? Why did that happen? Or I take things personally. But I think just showing up as a good version of yourself, choosing to see the best in people, um, giving people the benefit of the doubt while also setting boundaries on for yourself. I think that the two need to coexist. But I love making new friends now. I'm like very much team new friends these days. I like, I love women. I love sisterhood and camaraderie. And I think that the more we do that with each other, like the more other women see it and the more they, comfortable they feel doing it. That's true. I love that. I like that. Let's close it off in that high note. Yes. Uh, Nikki, let us know where everybody can follow you. So you can follow me on Instagram at Nikki Sapspo. And then my podcast page is The Know with Nikki Spo. My podcast is available on YouTube and on all podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the rest of them. And um, I hope you check it out. Thank you. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene spicy pepper sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. Esto solo es el principio. Porque lo mejor. Esto no se va a quedar así. Lo más impactante. ¿Por qué? Soy tu padre. Esta mujer me robó. Por favor, abre tus ojos. Está por venir en... ¡Pablo! ¡Entendiste! Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univisión. Y eso sí que amerita un brindis, ¿no crees?